Kick out the old welcome the new. Make your New Year's resolutions now. Go! to episode 90 of There's Still Time, the AFTN podcast. I'm Michael McCall. I'm Steve Pender. I'm Zach Meisenheimer. And I'm Slamo. And in this episode, we're bringing you the second of our end of season reviews. We just get home, sleep this off, throw some signs and then do it all again. Well, pull arms, clutch homicide. So the month of March started with the Caps, as we discussed last month, winning a cup. A 1-1 draw against Portland. Caps stole a trophy from Portland. They, they won it deservedly. No, stole it as in they stole it. They won it. Oh. Yeah, that's what I meant. And that ended yeah. preseason for the Vancouver Whitecaps. Did we look good in that 1-1 draw? I think so. Yeah, we're okay. I think like, the game against San Jose, we looked good. Yeah. The game against Portmore, it's like we, we banged some goals in against that. Yeah. The Portmore was the one where they went down to 10 men and Robinson was like going, please yeah. let them have 11. Let yeah. them I know, that, that yeah. was just unfortunate. But no, I mean, they, they won that. Mm-hmm. And it, it gave Robinson confidence in his squad. Even more confidence was then to come with before first kick, two big signings. Yes. The biggest being... Marco Carducci. <laughs> no, it was a great signing, Carducci. I, I, I remember the day he was there first the, of training when they announced it. He had a he couldn't get the smile off his face. Yeah, maybe that's because he didn't know they were going to shave his head later. But <laughs> could have been it. Well, he's an awesome signing because he's like you know just I know he looks young, so it's like he's been around since he was twelve. Yeah, right? yeah. it seems like we've been watching him play forever. He's a quality fellow, yeah. and, and he's and he's older than than his age, and like like the way he carries himself and stuff like yeah. that. So he's gonna be around for a long time. Yeah, he's maturity. Like when you talk to him after, like what you know, think about the the Toronto series in the Voyagers Cup, where like 
you know, he gets fouled for a goal that should not be a goal, and then which we'll talk about in May. Yeah, yeah sorry. But when you think about his performance yeah. in the year, he when you talk to him after those, like he still has this like the right perspective you want a player yeah. to have. He's he's a quality player and he's going to be around for a long time. And of course, that was on March fourth he was signed. And then officially on March fifth. Was another quality player that hopefully will be around for a long time. Pedro Morales, yeah, Pedro Morales signed. Now there was before and end of February we didn't discuss it then, but he was traveling back and forth from Spain to Portland back and and, and making trips and getting some stuff. Yeah, down. I mean, but he, the, the official the, signing happened on the fifth. So I mean, Pedro, we all know what kind of a season he had, but when we first signed him, no one really knew who he was. Pedro. Yeah, Pedro yeah. Morales wasn't did, well known. Did you know who he was? was? I knew of him. Like, yeah. from... I had no idea because I don't watch La Liga. Yeah. But once you saw the highlights, you could see the special quality he had in him in his yeah. play. I mean, if they'd signed him from the Ryman's Premier League, yeah. I would maybe have had an idea. Yeah, yeah. I didn't knowledge of yeah. him. Yeah. I, didn't, I didn't know him well, but I knew, I knew the name. Well, it's Pedro Morales. Come on. <laughs> It's like John Pedro, Smith. Pedro? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. I had heard the name too. <laughs> no. I like, I'd heard Pedro of the Morales. footballer Pedro Morales from uh, Chile. Yeah, I thought the wrestler, jazz musician. Oh, yeah, because folk were, like, when folk were Googling him at first, they found the old wrestler Pedro Morales. Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's because well, the reason I knew it was because he was at Malaga and there were former Bayern players who were at Malaga. Yeah. Or Santa Cruz and then Nico was there too. This year, watch out for them signing King Kong Bundy. Yeah. That might happen. He's still alive. Well, Connor Casey looks a bit like King Kong True. Bundy. Hey, you guys said two signings. I think you failed to mention Ethan Sampson's deal here on March 6th. No, but... Uh, oh, it's coming. That's three days big, I said big yeah. signings. Yeah, yeah, that was a big signing. Ethan Sampson at the time was for not Ethan, resigning. For no. Ethan and his family, that was Well, nice. big signing for them. We yeah, did, story-wise, it was a good signing. Me and Michael at the time, and we'll... We, we, we'll admit this now. I know. At the time, we didn't think no. too much of him you because we'd seen him in PDL and... He was not impressive, but by the end of the year, we actually, I thought it was pretty impressive, you know, in the yep. Dallas playoff game and stuff like that, so, yeah. I tell you, I'm yeah. actually, and folks think I'm crazy for this, I'm borderline, I think I'd maybe rather have him playing than Betashur. I think he offers more at the team. Betashur's a steadier player, yeah. more experienced, yeah. won't make the same mistakes that Samson will make, but I think there's some things, and this has me come completely full circle on the guy. But there's things that Samson has in his game that Betashir doesn't. This hard tackling yeah. and just the yeah. desire the yeah. to just go full-blooded into yeah. stuff. The he goes full-blooded. I think Betashir can still make tackles. We talked about the RSL yeah. tackle, but the thing is he makes it more calculated and picks his yeah. spots where... Uh, but as a goalkeeper, that's what you want, yeah. right? So when you talk about you know the impact it has on the game overall, if Osted has to... like. Oh, is this going to happen here? And yeah. then hope he makes a tackle or he doesn't, and then have to react to that. He can't play as, you know, that's why I think Betashore is just so consistent. But I think Samson can learn from that and get better and better. As, if he's willing to go long term with MLS, then yeah. I think he could be a solid player down the road. So, all the signings that week built up to what everyone was waiting for. First kick, 2014. It's a dream scenario for Robo. His first game as a manager. Against his former club, at home, Whitecaps win 4-1. Two of the goals are from one of his best friends in football, Kenny Miller. Dream start. He won the battle of who was the smartest looking manager on the sidelines as well. With this beautiful tie and sweater combo. Just a dream day for him. We we do so well. 
on season opening yeah. home matches. Yeah, it's yeah. unbelievable how well we do. Yeah, and the thing is, is that that game also you got to see a little bit of Pedro Morales too, and uh, near the end of the game because he substituted on Paquito. Yeah, and so it was, it was, it was, it was a dream debut from him yeah, as well. And, and it was a dream start for everybody. Sebastian Fernandez is straight from distance. Yeah, uh, I mean, Slamo, what, what was your thoughts of the team when you saw them in that game? Oh, that game. Well, you, there was sense in the in the build up to it that you know we were going to have an attacking team, and it, it ironically it wasn't at the end of the thing. But you know it was kind of leading up to that in this match, and it kind of let at that moment it was like everything is on track and it's happening the way it's supposed to happen, right? So everything kind of fell into line and gave that sense that it was going to be a big year, right? Oh, totally. I, after watching that game. I really was full of confidence as to what yeah. this team could do. On a slightly unrelated note, if anyone wants to buy a box of a thousand White Caps MLS Cup winners 2014, <laughs> just drop me a line. I'm, I'm going at a good price. Um, one thing about that game, when I think back in the game, uh, I was watching some of the highlights recently, and um, uh, it was Sebastian Fernandez's goal. One of the things, I know maybe it's a small thing, but was to see Darren. And and his contribution to a to a goal to a play where it wasn't all about him, mm-hmm. which I think was a, a, an awesome thing because in people's eyes he yeah. struggles with that, which maybe he wouldn't agree with, but whatever. Um, I think we it might, it might have been Bateshur won the ball, or whatever got it to I think to Pedro. Pedro plays I think it was I think it was Pedro played one of those Pedro passes over the top. Darren runs on and Darren makes a nice pass to, to Seba. Seba yeah. cuts through the middle and buries. Yeah, it certainly looked like a, 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 a different yeah. then. Yeah. Um, I mean, just the whole team clicked and it looked so exciting and you really were, you were really thinking, wow, this is the kind of football you want to watch. So different to, to some of the games that we'd seen under Rennie. But the proof was then going to be what it was going to be like in the away games. Yeah, and, then and it was they, like, had, they had two away games coming up. Yeah. The first one, obviously, against Chivas USA, ended up being a one-one draw where Kakuda came on to rescue the match late. Yeah, after all the the joy and the great play against New York, they looked horrible in that first half against Chivas. Really bad. Big big bogey team for the Caps last season. People say that okay, last season, yeah. People have said that about Chivas over the whole run of MLS, well, yeah, they have. which is which is not really true. We've taken so many points from Chivas that, and when you stack it up overall against other teams. Actually, we haven't done really that bad against them. Yeah. I, just because they've been so poor overall. Yeah, I saw a horrible. It's like forty-two percent of all their points over the last three years have come against us. <laughs> well, thankfully they no longer exist, so we yeah. we might be might be safe there. Well, yeah, we were up a man. We were up a man yeah. most of the game. Yeah. That was the thing. Oh, that was the thing. That was what made yeah, it even worse. It was like it was like we were down a man or something. We were yeah. like we. We couldn't break down ten goats on the pitch, you know. Like, yeah, that was the exact opposite of uh, day one for sure. And then the next week they went across the country or across the continent, uh, went over to New England. It was a windy, rainy, miserable game, and they, <laughs> they felt at home. Yeah, they, they drew zero zero on that one. Um, Which, in, in hindsight, seeing how well New England did, yeah, yeah. good result. Yeah. And those games, was the start of the Whitecaps going and beating against Eastern Conference opposition for the whole season. Yeah, <laughs> which we, we've always done. We have like we've had a great success against Eastern. Yeah, team. and that whole the whole New England match was like the response to it was incredible. When you consider, you know, the, uh, you know, and I think at that point I tweeted 
you know, a, an open bet on Twitter to say that, you know, we'll be the only Western team or the only West Coast team to take a point in New England this year. And I think we might have been, right? Yeah, it might have been. Uh, but the thing is, the the one thing I, I, I got from that game uh, was the... Robinson was talking about at the beginning of the season that he was going to use everybody and start, you know, rotate players in and out and keep everybody rested. DeMerit was rested and left out home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people were saying was it because of play but obviously there was a plan going forward yeah. and, uh, and that was the start of something that they were doing that they were resting players it didn't end up working that way because they kind of ran out of players by the end of the year yeah but it, it was good like I mean Robo was so honest with what he'd said and he he said that was going to be his game plan to try and get as much experience early on for all the guys and I think he'll do that again next season and it's going to work, especially with all the Champions League games and the, the Canadian Championship and everything that's coming up. You need these players to have played. USL Pro is going to be massive to get these guys minutes as well. As you come to the running, you do want to have a steady team. And that's kind of what he settled on towards the end. But I think really credible 0-0 draw against New England. Oh, yeah. And that was, I think, also David O said. It was, like, people were questioning him against New York and the goalie led against Chivas, but... And then New England game, he came up big. For you mean them. that save in your post? The one the big corner. save, yeah. We actually said, but there were a couple other ones too where yeah. he, there was the ball was kind of wivery because of the wind and everything, and he had to make some important saves. Yeah, so it was positive we we, we hadn't lost in the first two games. I still remember feeling like that I'm a little bit like disappointed. Yeah, yeah. not in just the New England I, game. Uh, well, I, not just not I, just the New England game, but yeah. it was like. Part of it obviously comes off not taking three points from Chivas. Yeah, yeah. I'm always disappointed with a no-no draw anyway. Yeah, it, there, I just remember feeling like, wow, we could be on seven, we could be on nine, you know? Um, yeah, the Chivas puts the damper on that, because I think New England on its own was a quality away. I mean, we all possessed them, we all passed them. It was them. our first clean sheet of the year, which was nice. Yeah. yeah. Well, they returned home after that New England, and then they, they went up against Houston, uh, and they pulled out a 2-1 win. That was the back to getting wins on the on, at home and keeping that going. It was very memorable. I enjoyed that game immensely. It was the Jordan Harvey goal machine Jordan game Harvey, where he yeah, scored yeah. that goal. Kenny Miller double penalty after he sort of that first sort of chip to the top corner, right. and then he ended up taking it again because Darren Croach, I think, and just put it away. But the I think the most of the headlines that week and uh, end of that week really fell upon one player. And it was a player who was out of shape uh, so much that he really could not run a bike rack. Yeah. Um, or oh, jump a bike and, rack. Inanimate objects are difficult to avoid, let's yeah. be honest. Yeah. I mean, who hasn't walked down the street and fallen over a bike rack? Uh, or ran for yeah. his life and fallen into a bike <laughs> rack. But, yeah, that was obviously we're talking about Nigel Rio Coker. It was a difficult week for him because we thought initially, you know, no big deal, he fell over. But when you first saw him at training before yeah, that Houston oh, yeah. game, whoa, <laughs> he kind of, he, he, I was one of the first guys there and he essentially saw me and saw a couple other people showing up and he kind of moved to the other side of the pitch at BC Place. I thought they were recasting the Elephant Man when I first saw him. <laughs> yeah, it was, I remember seeing him too in training that week and it was just like, you're like, wow, what, what? Yeah. How, that was, how that, big that's was some, that bike drive? Yeah, that's some yeah. fall, like that's some scraping of a head against the, the concrete. Yeah. Those, the... Because when you first saw it, right, it was still sort of, not, sort of like an open wound or whatever. Yeah. Still, like, hadn't, it hadn't healed it over. It hadn't healed over, yeah. And it was just like, oh, man. But then, you know, you think that's the end of the week, yeah, right? Yeah, Coker Hill rest yeah. and everything. He'll sit up in the press box, have a nice Everyone coffee. Yeah. about him. Yeah. 
But during the game, he <laughs> he went viral, and he made a gesture. He was showing Marco Carducci how to open champagne when you're celebrating clinching the playoffs. That's or, what I thought it was. Or how to roll a uh, dice when you're playing craps. Yeah. Yeah. And it went viral and did his Leslie Chow impression. Yeah. He, it, <laughs> Nigel Rio Coker exploded all over the place. Yes. And the worst thing was that he did it in front of a minor, uh, Marco Carducci, who was sitting beside him. And that was on March 29th. I mean, if it had been a couple of days later, it could be like, April Fool's! <laughs> Which brings us nicely now to the month of April. April. April Fools, April showers. And there was quite a quiet month really in Whitecaps land. Off the off the pitch for sure. Um, on the pitch there were quite a few big games that happened that month. Uh, first one was the 2-1 loss to Colorado. Um, where it looked like Vancouver had everything at hand. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd actually blocked that out of my head. Seriously. Yeah. And Naba felt he needed to grab at the ball. No, no that, that, was, that was Matias Laba, I think... Educational playing in MLS more. I know he played a year in Toronto or whatever, but that's what happened. Half a year. In that's Toronto. not really MLA. No, no, but that's no. But, and you don't get an education in Toronto. Either. Well, no, but like I mean, where where he used to play, where he was playing before that, what happened to him is a foul and it gets yeah. called, and so he was just doing what you do. The only issue that, that's fine. The, board, the only issue was him grabbing the ball before a whistle is yeah. blown. Now that. that because that's technically handball. As a kid, no. that's the first thing you should be told. You play to the whistle, you don't grab the ball. Yeah. No, I, it's okay if you haven't been booked, but when you've been booked, and I know it's the heat of the moment and that, but it was stupidity. Oh, I don't, it, I don't it's not a par up there with Davison getting sent off the season before. Yeah. Oh. And at that point, I thought Colorado and the Whitecaps were going to be battling it out for the fifth spot. Yeah. So I thought that was a massive, massive game to lose and it could have a major impact later the, on the season. The thing is, uh, uh, I think that was one of Robinson's first games where he admitted he made a mistake yes. because he did the not get his substitution on quick yeah. enough where he, I think he was trying to get Tybert on in, in the holding midfield spot, but he didn't get him on fast enough. And no, they weren't organized. And as soon as that red card happened, there were two quick goals. And I don't remember this. Marie or something yeah, like that. Or was, yeah. I can't remember the Colorado oh. player's name, but... He basically scored two fantastic one, goals. One strikes, yeah. And that he probably I don't think he scored another goal for the rest of the year, yeah, possibly. And I, it was just a it was just a weird game to, for that everything to happen fall into place. Especially we dominated, right? Yeah, we dominated. We had the game in hand. Up to that point it was three points in the bag. Oh, they were coasting. Yeah. And then it was one nothing, but it was yeah, it was there was, was no bang. domination. It was one of the not the Speak negatively, but one of the one of the mistakes substitution I think that Carl made in that game was after after we went down, he subbed on Kakuda for Kenny, and although Kakuda adds one dimension, he's maybe not the most solid in the in yeah. defending. It's yeah. something he worked on as the season totally. went on. Yes. Yeah. Like at that point, yeah, he because I think he was involved defend. in one of the yeah. build up to one of the. That's the problem with a lot of these young guys that you bring in as as exciting strikers. 
they've had so much focus on that side of their game that well, they've been struggling. came on before Matthias card though. Oh, that's right. It was right before. It was. They still right played before. a part. Yeah. yeah. And also in that game, they sub. He subbed out Fernandez for. They were up. That was it. That was it. It was Fernandez for Kofi because we were up a goal, and instead of yeah. trying to hold yeah, it, he's yeah. like, "Let's go get him." Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, that's. I mean, Cal put his hands up for that. Yes. He always wanted to go for the killer set yeah. goal. Yeah. He yeah. wants to entertain. He wants to score. And sometimes when you do that, the team forgets to defend. Yeah, because I actually remember that substitution, and I think I was standing next to uh, John Humphreys, and was like, "Right on, man! That's totally opposite of last year, right?" Like I thought at that moment, being up one nothing, making that substitution at home was like a great, great sign. That was Kyle Robinson's first taste of defeat yeah. as a Whitecaps boss, but there was more to come a week later. Yeah, and uh, that was, and that's what made it difficult because they knew they were going to have to travel to LA, and they hadn't had very much success. So dropping those three points and getting the you know the loss in LA, and I remember that that game that week they had really sold the whole Robbie Keane Carl Robinson friendship the whole week going in, and it ended up being a one nothing loss. I think we still kind of have a mental block when it comes to games away to LA. I think, um, yeah. uh, like, or at least as at least uh, you know, as supporters, yeah. there's a bit of like, oh, we're going to LA, play the Galaxy away. Okay, like it'd be nice if we got a. Oh, well, we got the half, right? Yeah, we did get the half. Get we the half. we had a just goal was half. Yeah, right after yeah. Half. it was right after half. But like, so uh, yeah, we don't we don't play great usually away to LA. Yeah, and. Uh, I remember. I actually remember at the time thinking, okay, one nil loss is actually doesn't feel so so bad. But it, yeah, we need to. And we, they uh, Kakuda and Darren up top created some offense, right? Like there was some actual. I mean, we didn't have much possession, but well, when they had the ball, they there, there was, was some was danger. Some, yeah, yeah. So you know, on one hand, I mean, yeah, we're going to LA and we're losing again, and we didn't score, but there was some actual like. Positives to take yeah. out of it, and, and remember, and then uh, Matias was suspended, so Gersh was playing with with uh, Russell. Yeah, so, well, Russell had a pretty good game. I yeah, thought. He, he really uh, frustrated like Keen yeah. and, and, and he was man of the match, wasn't he? It might have been, yeah. yeah. And then he frustrated Keen um, and even Donovan really got in their got in their heads a little bit. So it was really impressive game from Tiber. Sure. They, they ha- it was a back to back week weekends. They came back up to LA. It ended up being a two-two draw. Uh, Whitecaps had to come back twice from goal deficits. Um, really, a lot of defensive breakdowns, but they they actually were able to come back from them. Uh, well, I I don't know. I think I was a bit disappointed because because of what had happened in LA and seeing some potential, you know. So I kind of had I maybe I hyped myself up too much for it, but I thought we had a really solid chance for a win coming back home. And so going down twice, you know, as, as exciting as it was to uh, tie each time, it was, you know, disheartening to go down I mean, twice. The game right? got off to a horrible start cuz real card right off. Yeah, and yeah. he got booked in the first minute. It was one of those yeah. things you're like Referee, you cannot give a yellow yeah. card for that in the first minute. Yeah, it was just like you've got to yeah, be joking. Seriously, yeah. it basically it's, neutered and you Ryan for yeah. the watch the game. Yeah, uh, I, I remember too. I remember for LA. I think we talked about it at the time in a post or post of that. But uh, Rob Friend came on and made a difference for LA. Like he, yeah, he, yeah, he, he set up the goal, but he also <laughs> played that big target man really, really well for them. Yeah. Even though he, it was maybe his best game all year for the first. It could have been. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Uh, he, he had a decent game in the 
in the in the LA home game where they played in LA, but when we played away, when they came up here, it was much better. Um, after that, one more two-two draw at RSL. This is a game that really it didn't seem like they deserved it at all. They came out so flat in this game. Oh yeah, and it basically was rescued by the two Uruguayans. I think both of them came off the bench in that game, and Mesquita scored a fantastic smart goal where he just. You know, he started the play and then he followed up into the net and got in the right position. And then Fernandez, we talked about Betashore in an earlier month about his tackle. And Betish, uh, Fernandez took that ball and scored from, from I think, 30 yards out or 35 yards out or whatever it was. Whatever crazy, it, was. Yeah. it was a crazy I, distance. I remember for, for me, I watched the game. It's only the second time I watched the game at Big Ridge in, uh, in South Surrey. Uh, in both games, uh, I, uh, both, both games... Um, I celebrated goals by like being on top of the bar stool because they were so dramatic yeah, and so yeah, awesome. Yeah. The other was the three 0 away to Montreal oh, yeah. when Camille scored that second goal, yeah. and when 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 Sebastian hit that, it was unbelievable. Yeah, like, yeah. it was just like and, and, the, and the funny thing is, thing. Uh, yeah, oh yeah. man. And the funny thing is, is that before oh, that yeah. game, we talked to Marius Rovd and we were talking about Nick Romando and how are you going to beat him, right? And he goes. You shoot from distance and you aim for the corners because yeah. he's too short to go for those, get to those balls, and that's what the, the second goal was. It was all weight out of his reach, and he couldn't get to it. Yeah. And that him. might be the ten best minutes of soccer they played all year. Yeah, and it came out of nowhere. Like, did they even have a shot on net before? No, no. And they, they just, just poured it on, and it was there's like, a bit of niggle in the game. It kind yeah. of raised them. I mean, that ending, it's not I, not quite as good as the. The dramatic three-all comeback against Kansas City yeah. was it? Oh yeah, with Jimmy Nielsen. But I mean, it, that was a fantastic. Yeah. It was the away equivalent. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, and like to do it away from home in some regards is actually. But better. even even the Kansas even the Kansas City game was more like moments, right? It was like three brilliant moments yeah. that. This was like, this was a 10 minutes where we just were like, Dominant. forget this, man, we're doing this, yeah. right? And that wasn't, that wasn't the case in Kansas City. So, so to me, that was, that, that 10 minutes, that two-goal comeback was the most impressive moment of soccer they had all year that I can recall. So that was, uh, like we said before, not very much happening off the pitch, but on the pitch, really substantial games in the month of April. Two losses and two draws. So I remember feeling at the end of the month a bit of a, a, like a letdown. But again, those the the highs of like the yeah. the, the comebacks. Kind yeah, of. I was the same. I wasn't sure what was going to happen next, but me certainly got off the bye. Okay, now as I started something big, you are there in the beginning. You are there to see me. Spring is in the air, it's May. And it's a, a special month for the Whitecaps because they were officially celebrating the 40th anniversary of Vancouver Whitecaps' first ever match in the old NASL. Yeah, and they played against San Jose in that match. They, they hosted them at BC Place. It was a 3-2 win over San Jose. They kind of carried over what was going on with RSL that last 10 minutes. They brought it over to the... I think they dominated the match. I know it's 3-2, but I don't think San Jose was really in the game too much. It was well, a Morales brace that yeah, led, led them. I want to take your word for all this because I missed the first half. Oh, oh yeah. Car troubles. Yeah. No, no, car troubles. The, the best first half... 
I think the White Cats probably played all year. And I missed it because I had gone to a Provincial Cup semi-final <laughs> up in Coquitlam. It went to extra time and penalties. I was trying to bomb it back and then my car died on me at a junction and I had to get towed to a garage and then make my way downtown and I missed the whole first half. So I'll sit out with this one and you guys can talk about it. Yeah, that's San Jose game, Zach. I think, uh, oh, by the way, we should mention Slamo is not here for the month of May. Um, Zach, uh, that, that game, I think, was really a good jump from what happened in the last 10 minutes of RSL we talked about last month and, and they brought it over into this first half. Yeah, it also had that feel like like we were talking about earlier, like first kick, you know, big matches yeah. that like... Whatever, like, it had that kind of feel. Like, here's this big match. We're celebrating the, the, the history uh, of the club, and it was like, yeah, they came out like gangbusters. Can't go like gangbusters, uh, like you were saying on the on the heels of those two late goals in RSL, and then it was like, boom, 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 when we were up three 0 It was pretty intense. Although I didn't get to see it live, I did watch it when I go, went home, and it was a fantastic performance. I mean, that first half, the team was just clicking, and it was what they needed. It came at the right time on the back of what had been a kind of disappointing. Disappointing April. April, really, because yeah. you had you had March where the White Caps were unbeaten. You had April where the White Caps were winless. How was it going to go for Carl? It's like had had he peaked early, had his bubble burst. So I think March was like a key month to kind of see what he was made of, and that game really set the set the tone. Yeah, the opening goal, Kakuda. I remember he hit the he took the shot. Hit he the, hit the post. Came back, came back to him, and he scored off the opposite post. Yeah, and off the opposite post. Nice. And morale, like we said, was a brace. Unfortunately, the next day, some bad news uh, for Whitecaps. Uh, well, it was the middle of the, late that night. Late that night. Late that night. It came out, but well, it didn't get officially no, until the next day. No, but it, no, but you know what it was. I, I remember before I went to bed that night, I was looking on Twitter, yeah. and there was this tweet from. Uh, from Laura, from from Kenny's wife, yeah, and she was that's like, where it broke. I'm so excited, I can't sleep or whatever. Yeah. It was like oh, I was like, oh, what? Some they must be doing something special on Sunday together. And then it was like, yeah, you woke up the next day and it was like, yeah, Kenny's not going to be here anymore. And then later in the day, the official announcement. Well, she had some other tweets too that she had to delete quickly. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. there were some other t- tweets as well. But like it, we it said, stunned me. I I, I thought he was going to leave in the summer. Yeah, but like we had to, to leave when he did, I I was shocked, totally stunned. And it was clear that like a lot of people in even end of the season were mentioning, why did you cut Kenny Miller? No, people the people on yeah. Twitter did mention this that they were asking Robbo, why did you cut Kenny Miller at that time? Never cut him. No. This was all coming from Kenny Miller, and then Whitecaps just did him a favor and let him go out of his contract. Right? Well, yeah, because he wasn't going to get a deal here. No, he wasn't getting a long-term deal yeah. here. Well, not at that time. Yeah, um, There was nothing promised until June was going to happen. Plus, his wife didn't want to really go back to Europe anymore. Yeah, but it was... I know people like to focus on that part of it, but it, it, was, more, it was more about... It, it wasn't as much about his wife. It was, I think primarily it was about a long-term deal. You might, yeah, it could have. Maybe he would have stayed, but I don't think he even would have stayed for a long-term deal. I, we had, personally, me and Michael had discussed it. If Camilo hadn't left in January, I think Kenny Miller would have left in January. I think I think there was a chance where he would have been let out of his deal back then. I think he decided to stay till June in order to help the Whitecaps find somebody to replace him, essentially at that time. But at that time, it, you know, by the time it came to May, there maybe, and you know what. I, people were ragging on her. It's her own choice. It's her, about her family and everything. If yeah. he needs to go because of the family, that's no problem on anybody's part. Um, he put in his time. 
like you said, he wasn't going to get the long term deal. You know, it, ha- it had to happen. But no way did the Whitecaps facilitate this uh, release of Kenny Miller. No, it was, and again, under the reign of Carl Robinson, it was another sign of, hey, we're willing to talk to a player and figure out what's the best, not just for us as the club, yeah. but what is best for the player. And exactly. so it was another a positive sign in that, how do we treat our players? Exactly. You know? Especially when we're, things are coming to an end. I mean, he's a, he's a Scottish legend. For what he's done for the national team, I mean, I'm not a Rangers fan as photo, no, so I have no interest in what he's, he's done with, with either of the old firm. But as a Scottish national team player, he was a legend. To see him playing in Vancouver for me was great. He contributed well to the team. And I do feel that if he had stayed till the end of the season, and it's all speculation, you just don't know, but that could have been the difference yeah. between a, it would a have fourth been place finish or more. Yeah. And not. I mean, Carl's already said the difference that he sees between Seattle and Vancouver is 20 to 25 goals. Now, Kenny Miller wasn't going to get 20 to 25 goals. But he would have helped other players get those goals. And so many draws, 13, 14 draws, forget what it even was now. Having a goal scorer to convert some of those chances. Biggest one that springs to my mind, Dallas, the two-all game where we had 30 shots. A Kenny Miller guy in the pitch just has to convert one of those chances. You've got an extra two points. Do that in a couple of other games. You've got six points. You've got eight points. He could have been a difference maker. We'll just never know. And he and he and he brought a, an aerial threat that we don't really yeah. have. We didn't really have after he left. And Aside from all those other things, I think at the time as well, like Robo said, he's not going to let anyone go now without having a replacement lined up. This kind of caught him off because he didn't have a replacement lined up. Mm-hmm. We'd heard that he had somebody lined up to come in in the summer if Kenny wanted to go, but obviously this was in May, and then no one came in the summer. It was just such a big loss, and I think at the time, folk just didn't appreciate how big a loss it was going to be. Yeah. Well, and, and then you, you're talk, the problem with also with the summer, and we'll get to this later, there was other players, other another player that we lost in the summer, then that complicated the issue of whether we were going to bring in a striker as well. They didn't have much time to deal with the Kenny Miller issue because they had to get to Toronto and uh, face TFC in the Voyager's Cup. And obviously, Kenny, based on the lineup, they weren't going to be using Kenny Miller in that game uh, because they played a lot of young players against TFC, against a lot of TFC's best players. Well, yeah, and Kenny's departures also would facilitated Omar's recall, right? Yeah, the, yeah, that's the case too. But then, yeah, but we, I don't think he figured in the TFC game, though. No, if I'm not mistaken, I don't think no. he did. Second leg, I think he, he might have. But yeah. but but the, but the TFC, we'll talk about the let's talk about the Voyagers Cup now. A lot of youth in that team. Yeah, Marco Carducci. Yeah, in, in the away game, first of all, you had, uh, you had you had unsigned MLS players for the first time yeah. ever in the competition. The White Cats played well as an MLS team. The White Cats played residency players like Keon Sproles and Bustos. They Bustos on the bench. You had Mitch Perot, yeah. Jackson Farmer, Jordan Haynes. Jordan Haynes, yeah. There was a really young lineup. That and was. If you needed a message that Cal Robinson was serious about going with the youth movement. That was the game that showed you. He's not only talk, and he's not only about bringing them into the squad. He will play these guys. And there's a couple. Omar and Kakuda did play in that game. And 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 then the um the the thing is the there were a couple of fullbacks too that they couldn't uh, use. Uh, Sam both Sam was injured for that game. Ethan Sampson was hurt. 
Now, and that was now, heartbreaking for both of them because that was that was their chance to show what they had the, on the big the, stage, and they both yes. didn't get to do it, and, and they stuck with so, Nigel. And we're talking, and then the thing is, that's what I was going to get to. Like they had a youth, a lot of youth. It was the veteran that that screwed really cost them, yeah. screwed up, and and, yeah. and and allowed that goal to go in because that, that uh, one of those goals could easily sway the whole competition. But I, I I felt really good about the way they they played, and the, I know we want to win the cup, but it was a good balance, especially in a away game. And the, I thought it was, I personally thought going into that game it was going to be a 4 5 1 loss. Like, I thought it was going to be a, yeah. a 4 goal loss. I, th- I honestly did think I, that. I, I like it from a philosophical standpoint. Yeah. Uh, and, like, even based on how it actually went in the away leg, I felt good about it. I still, we'll, I guess we'll talk about this in a minute, but I still don't, I still really wish this, the, the return leg lineup had a little bit more to it. Yeah, well, it, yeah. I mean, the, the thing like, with the first leg lineup, though, because a lot of fans still make this comment on the articles that I've written on MLS, and that point is that they're, they're disappointed in Robinson. They don't think he should have played that young team. Now, hardcore fans, long-time fans, people that go and watch the residency and support the young talent, they they fully get why Robinson did that. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember that is a small section of the fan base. And I think a wide, larger section anyway just didn't get it. Didn't get it. And they they think that Robinson blew that chance to to win the Canadian Championship, lift the Voyager's Cup and get into this year's Champions League. Uh, One more comment about the the lineup and the criticism. I I still, and I think I've said this before on the podcast, from Fort Fort Grabo, but more so for us as a club... It was a win-win situation, really. Uh, uh, maybe not in the eyes of all the fans or sport, yeah. but it was win-win. You play the young, young players, and they have this tremendous experience. Assuming they we don't get crushed, they have a somewhat of a they have an experience period, and so you're developing them. They go out and get a result, and you're in your geniuses, right? So. I don't. Uh, for me, like I'm torn because it, like the se- the first leg, I was more I was more like. Wow, and I was like, "This is a little bit, this is a little bit crazy," but I'm excited about it, and I and I and I was more prepared for it. It was more the return leg where I was just a little bit like, "Oh man!" Like, but like the, the first leg when you saw Toronto's lineup, it's like, yeah, you, you're thinking they're going to get massacred, yeah. But to come away with an away goal, yeah, which came it, late, yeah, and the tie, you think it's really this is the Whitecaps want to win. And I thought they came close to tying too. I think at the late yeah, game, they, 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 they really came, pushed. Yeah. But I, they should have maybe gone with a stronger lineup. But the, se- the, the second, second leg, the second leg, you're talking about the stronger. But they did win that game, and it was only they lost it on penalties. I know, but uh, so, well, okay, so but but, but, that, that but thing this is, is the com- one. This is a complicated competition. That's like saying, "Hey, we tied Montreal." No, no, no. But the thing is, that also in that game, and I, I don't care how much Marco puts a good face on this, that that goal that TFC scored. It should have been called a penalty, and it would have been called a penalty if if the referee knew what he was doing at that time. That that was a clear penalty. The the TFC player banged right into him when it was clearly Marco's ball to yeah. take, and and any other keeper that penalty, and with a two three years experience, it might have been called against. Yeah, it was Nick Nick Hagelin. Yeah, it, yeah. W- it was was the player, and it was yeah to me an obvious obvious foul that that. Uh, and, and if we got Gantard, it was Gantard. Yeah, and if that goal doesn't go in, we won yeah. the tie. And yeah, but then if the Queen had ball, she'd be the king. So yeah, you, exactly. can't, you can't look at stuff like that because the teams would have played differently. I'm it, going to. Extra, extra time, though, it was all TFC. I really thought they were going to win it because yeah. they were just piling the pressure on. 
and Marco held firm, the defence held firm, went to penalties, and we talked about this during the year. The decisive penalty Kikuda. was missed by Kikuta. Yeah. And like it was Marco, a horrible penalty come, too. Marco came close to saving a couple of the yeah. penalties. And we've seen Marco saving penalties oh, and PDL so many. and residency. Yeah. But I think He's that's a where the penalty stopper. A, but I think that's where the real jump yeah. from professional to from residency to professional. It was so close, but that miss from Kikuta. Yeah. And I said this at the time. I think that dented his confidence totally. no end, and he was not the same player for months after yeah. that. And I put it down to that more than his fitness levels. Now between those two games. Um, that's a, obviously we, we can talk about the Beast Cup forever, but we can't because there's only two games because we got eliminated. Um, in between those two games, they did travel to Columbus and they picked up a one nothing victory on the crew with Eric Hurtado scoring a fantastic goal. His first MLS goal. Yeah, and it was a nice one to boot. Flick with his uh, break was brought down with his chest or whatever. Flair. Flick with his right out at the outside of his right foot and. A wonderful strike on the inside finish. of his left. Yeah. I, it, it was the goal we were waiting for from Hurtado. Yeah. We said all last season, all this kid needs is a goal to get his confidence and to go on a bit of a run. Maybe that was wishful thinking because I don't know if it was, was going to happen, but he then did. He, he went and he was... He was going, on a run of five yeah. goals in five games or something like that. I can't remember it, it what was, it was. It was fantastic. And it shows you the, like, what happens when a player has confidence, especially a young player, how they do... And this goes back to a point I've made in previous podcasts on an AFTN when I wrote the article. Having these young players is great when they're confident, but when they then go through a bad spell, like Eric then did after this big run, then they can't find the back of the net and their heads dip and it takes a lot to get them going back up again. But for that spell, the end of May into June, Hurtado was on fire and he looked, for the first time I think ever, as a white cap, you looked at him and you thought, you know what, he could actually be an MLS player. And the thing is, he followed it up, like you were saying, the, the, the Seattle game at home. It was about 10 days after oh, the, oh, the, their elimination for the V's Cup, but that well, goal he, he, well, scored. He, he scored. Well, he scored also in the V's, in the V's Cup. The V's Cup, yeah. yeah, he did score there, but I'm talking about that goal he scored against yeah. Seattle was huge. And it was a beautiful goal where he was... My, my goal of the year. Yeah. I, I think I don't think uh, Ozzy Alonso has found his clothes yet. From no. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there was so much good about that. I mean, we talked before about, like, Slavo, um, who's no longer with us, God rest his soul. <laughs> um, he had said, he didn't know what he was doing, he just put his head down and hit that. But the build-up play... Because Eric started that move in, in the Whitecaps half, then he finished it. And he leaves two Seattle players lying on the deck on their bums and turned them inside out in the process. That was confidence. Yeah. If he hadn't got that goal against the crew, I'm not sure you'd have seen Eric Hurtado do that because I don't think he would have had the confidence to do it. And the thing is, both of those goals were obviously Stefan Fry, a TFC former goalkeeper. <laughs> yeah. Because on the, on the Hurtado goal, oh, he actually, if you, if you look at it very closely, if you look at the Hurtado goal, he dips his head, or he, yeah. he, he basically goes away from the ball, and he allows the ball to go right over his head. And then the Gershon Kofi goal, oh, where so he went beautiful. to the corner, clocked it out, and then Kofi, so Kofi, Kofi scored, scored one of his goals from distance. Well, left left foot. foot. <laughs> his only goal this year. Stephen Fry and the Whitecaps were not happy bedfellows this year. I mean, even, no. we'll look at this in other podcasts, yeah. but down in Seattle, pouring Kikuta's goal, and yeah. then letting Seba's goal in, 
and, long distance. But the thing out. is, it looked like we were heading for a two-one win, and then that penalty against Jake Oh, Demerit. that was another one I blocked out my head. Yeah, yeah. that was that was so, a killer. That was. The I one. can't remember what you guys said at the time. Do you think it was a good call? Do you think it was no. No, it, it, for me, it wasn't a penalty. I agree. I do find Demerit a little bit at fault because in this day and age, when you make a jump like that, and it kind of. It looks like you're putting your hands on the guy, even though it looks like he didn't make contact. No. You're putting the referee in a difficult position because the opposition guy's always going to throw his arms out and go, hey! I th- and I think, if I remember right, what actually happened really was the striker didn't jump, Jay went up, yeah. and then as he was coming down, he put his hands yeah. on the guy yeah. who hadn't jumped. Yeah. And then the guy went, and then he went down. Yeah. And I don't blame the, the Sounders guy for reacting the way he did, because you would expect your guy to do that. But no, Jay, Jay put the referee in a position to make the call. And I remember I, I asked Jay after that game, did he feel that his style of play was not suitable for modern day football, and especially MLS? And he gave a very honest answer. He said, you know, I, I honestly don't know. And then we know what happened a few months later. He was no longer playing professional football. That could have been the catalyst for him thinking... Because he, he, he gave away the penalty against San Jose as well. Yeah. That month might have been the, the month that just made Jay think, you know what, I don't think this... Is worth me coming no, back. No, okay, but oh. if you... If so I, I don't think Jay had the force with him in that game. Mm. May the force be with him in the future. But we'll, we'll soon find out yeah. when we get to the month of June. Hearing the babble of laughter I'll join your friends and come over So many faces are told So the month of June started off. Obviously, that was the month the World Cup started. So there wasn't too much going on with the Whitecaps. Well, we'd already lost Stephen Betashur. He'd headed off to represent Iran. Iran. Yeah. And the Ayatollah, rock and roll. So the Portland game away, it started off with a... That was quite the game, the 4-3 win. Yes. Nice Tifo. Zach and myself were down at that. It was just... It was a fantastic occasion... Finally, the White Caps have won in Portland. Yeah, I'm trying to do my rock eyebrow raise there, but I don't think it's working. When was it last time? It was some. What year was that? It was uh, 2010. Merlo Field. Yeah. Merlo Field. Well, no, we didn't win that. That was we just went through. Oh, we won the tie. Yes. Yeah, we won, no, <laughs> the last one was Vicente Arce. Only, only goals. That was like the year before, maybe 2009. He was the love of your life, wasn't he? He was the love of everyone's life. Yeah. Um, I'd, I'd have to let him shag my wife. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't do that. But um, no, Vicente Arce won nil. It was uh, yeah, I think two thousand nine. But, but the four three game itself, uh, they came it was out, a roller coaster. Yeah, and they they held on. They came out to a big strong start yeah. on that one. Portland took the lead, and you're thinking, oh, here we go again. Same old, same old. Timbers Army, armpit race, smell wafting out of those unwashed armpits, and you're like, oh, this is going to be bad. The cutting of the wood. Whitecaps took over. Mm. I mean, four unanswered goals. Pedro Morales winding up the Timbers army, which I, I said this at the time, and I'll say it again, because I like to repeat myself and hear my own voice. 
Eric Hurtado had won the penalty and the Portland fans weren't happy about that. They were going to give him some stick. So I think... I think Pedro did... I was going to say Mauro. I think Pedro did the the right thing. He took some of the heat off Hurtado by becoming the villain of the piece and like winding up the, the Portland fans. But four unanswered goals, that is almost as good as it gets. Yeah, but they, they did have to hold on there at the end there too. Uh, it was squeaky bum time. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, Portland, for for all that I dislike them, there's just something about them that you always kind of feel, and you kind of feel this a little bit with Seattle as well, even though they're down a couple of goals at home, you feel they're going to come back. And you don't kind of feel that with Vancouver at BC Place. It's a bit of a fortress, yeah. but... And thankfully, I don't think we've ever been in the position where we have to storm back from from being three goals down. LA, 2011. Well, it was 2011. Oh, I've forgotten all right. That was, I guess that was Empire. 2011 doesn't exist to me, to me anymore. That, that was just a write-off season. But, yeah, I felt Portland were going to come back, but that showed the character of the team. Yeah. To go ahead after being behind and holding on. And it showed the character of Caleb Porter, too. Yes. Because he was kind of a... Dick. Yeah, let's, let's see. No, I can see Dick. After the game? After the game. Yeah, I wouldn't shake his hand. No. I know, he he was like... Like, the way he acted after the game, and then he made the big fuss about Bayern's boss doing the same and not shaking his hands and stuff, but oh, it was so petty. It's like, oh, our guys wanted to celebrate around the pits with some wood. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then, yeah, and that's the other thing. They, they, they claimed the Whitecaps interrupted their celebration. Yeah. With the fans. What are you celebrating? You've just lost to your Cascadian <laughs> yeah. rivals. You've let four goals in. You shouldn't be celebrating anything. You should be getting, getting, off, getting off that pitch with your your heads hung. And it's like the Whitecaps were the guys that had the wood that day. I mean, that was just a win. It was awesome. It was. It was a. It was a. It was a. The dressing so room afterwards when we did it. Oh, that! Everyone was so so hyper and just so excited about that win. So. That obviously that game fantastic wild game there. They followed up that game with another wild game in Philadelphia. It was a barnstormer. Yeah, three three draw. No, but that that was a huge game. Oh wow, that it, it was back and forth. See, that was a game then that you thought the Whitecaps were coasting, yeah. and yes. then they let Philly yeah, back into yeah. it. And then you thought Phil, Vancouver lost, and then Vancouver yeah. came back and drew. Actually, to, to come back from that as well was a. I mean, talk about the character showed in the Portland game. They showed a lot of character in that game to come back because they should never have let the, the lead go the way they did. But then, I thought that was over, as you said, but they, they came back, they got a penalty. It, it was an entertaining start to the month. Yeah, definitely. But but there was some bad news from that game uh, when it comes to a roster player because that's the game Jay Demerit tore his ankle. Uh, ligaments in his right. ankle. And, well, uh, you say bad news. Well, Bad news is your captain and everything like that is your face of your franchise, and obviously. Whoa, whoa, whoa. what did he, what word did he just use? He he used the f word. F word. We need a censor. Okay, it's like he was the face of the club. I'm keeping franchise. I want everyone to know that you call them a franchise. Okay, whatever. Yeah, and not KFC. Yeah, so you. Um, That's Kingstonian Football Club, who share a home with AFC Wimbledon. Um, yeah, I mean, 
that that game was like incredible, and you had that moment where yeah, Jay goes down, and you're like, okay, how bad is this? How 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 much is this like? What happened? Was it the year before? Yeah, the year before. Opening kick. It yeah, was first DC, kick the year yeah. before. You know, it was like deja vu. It was like okay, all over again. Yeah, is this is this as bad as it kind of looks? Because even when he was on down on the pitch, you like you could see in his face. It yeah, didn't, it did not look good, and you're like, okay, but hopefully it's just a bad knock. And then they did the test, and it took a few days, and they're like, yeah, this is not. I mean, a long time listeners will know I'm not a big fan of Demerit's play, and I thought we had better options out there. But you don't want a guy. I mean, his story to get to where he has been is fantastic. I helped promote the Jude Demerit story when it first came out and everything before everyone else took hold of it, and it's a great story. But you don't want to see his career end that way. It was no. just such a sad end for him. If he had been healthy the whole year, even if he hadn't been playing, which would have been my choice, but for him to have been a part of that squad that got to the playoffs and did so well, that would have been a lovely way for him to buy out. And, and the thing is, is not whether you liked his play or not, it did affect the Whitecaps in a way that we talked about last month, where they weren't because he went down, and there was a, the hole at the in the back line. They had to bring somebody in to fill that. That was Waston. And was that the money that they were going to use to bring in a striker? So it kind of really, there was a, a domino effect where that injury affected other things happening later on the season. So you're saying you think that that impacted them bringing in a striker? Possibly. I don't think so. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I kind of think it might have, you know, because they did have the allocation money from Camilo that they didn't get till July. So they had that money there to spend. They did bring Waston in sooner than they were. But there was some it. speculation that Waston was going to come back yeah. at the end of the he year. He was going to come in in January, January. Yeah. but they, they needed him to fill that hole. No, I, but but seriously though, when you, when you talk about that, okay, well, they needed to bring someone to place, replace the merit, uh, so they got to spend some money on that. Even even if, as you're saying, Michael, they get the allocation money in July, they still had more money. They could have brought someone in, but. My feeling is is that it was a conscious decision that was made not to. Like uh, I, I, again, going back to the comment I made when we were talking about January or June or January or February, like they were saying from the very beginning, what we have is a rotation of strikers and we're going to need scoring by committee. And it was like we it was like they knew that from day one and that that was what they were sticking with for the whole year. It was a difficult time. They they did have a lot of time to figure out what they wanted to do because they had the eighteen day break. Yeah, World, World Cup break. Um, that was a season killer almost for the Whitecaps. Yeah, because they came back and they had a horrible game against the Impact. And uh, we, when we talked to Robinson in the in that one interview, the interview uh, episode eighty six, I think it was, he mentioned the Impact game as being one of the most disappointing games totally. that he that he had going. You know, after the World Cup break, flying high, scoring goals. Montreal's bottom, like close to the bottom, if not the bottom of the league. Yeah, they, they come, were the last one. Yeah, the bottom of the league, they come in. Points, I think they had and it was like, league. we just totally played down to their pathetic level. Well, Robo admitted he made a mistake by going yes. for the three speedsters. Yes. And it's like... The only time they've started ever yeah. together. That, that's the thing. It's like, don't want to sign all like sucky up to, to Carol and stuff, but what I love what Robis, Robinson brings is his honesty. Yeah. But he tells you something, you actually genuinely believe it, whereas with Rennie, you didn't know if it was true or not. And I like that he owns up to his mistakes. Doesn't sugarcoat it. If he's made a mistake, sometimes he maybe protects his players a little bit too much, but he does own up to his own mistakes, and he admits that was a, a mistake. 
It's a mistake I thought would have worked, though, to be honest. I would have thought they would have torn apart that well, team. But, the, but the thing is, the impact had nothing going forward. They, yeah. they, by the end of the game, they had seven defenders on the field. And it's, it's hard to break that down. And th- that goes back to my point of when you've got young guys doing it, they don't know what to do. They try things, it doesn't work. They just run straight to the yeah, wall. They run time. out of ideas, yeah. especially with our guys whose stick is head down, run. Get yeah. past the guy. If yeah. you're not getting past the guy, they didn't know what to do. That's when you needed to have an experienced guy on the bench that you then bring on that does the business, like Ellie had with Alan Gordon. Yeah. Okay, we're not breaking this team down. Let's bring on Gordo. Gets a goal. Yeah, I think the in that game the, the the three quick players they were yeah it was too similar. There wasn't there wasn't a variation from like what was happening up front. And we all wanted to see it at some point. We wanted oh, yeah. to see those three guys run at a team and you're thinking, ha, Montreal, they're useless. Great to always beat Montreal, this is the game to do it. So I understand fully why Robo went with that. Just disappointing end result. It was one of the most boring games of the year. I mean, you get no no draws that are exciting. Yeah. I mean I watched the game in the second round of the FA Cup. Barnsley against Chester. It was nil-nil, and it was one of the most entertaining nil-nil games I've ever seen. It was if you can try and find that to download somewhere or watch, try and watch it because it was end-to-end stuff. Normally Chester nearly won it. Nothing to do with this. Anyway, moving on. But that game was yeah, just dreadful. Yeah, and I think dry if, if you like, because we sit next to each other in the press box, and that game. I think I've never been in a more foul mood. Yeah, you were. And I was, I was, uh, and I was like swearing out loud. I had to, you had to shut me up a couple yeah. of times. It was like it was such they a frustrating. We were at the very end of the yeah, it's because nobody else was around us. <laughs> I think too, you, from like as a, as a supporter, it was like the it was in the middle of the World Cup. Yeah, or, or were you watching so much quality? Yeah, out you were there? watching yeah, some yeah, exactly. high quality, exciting football, and you came to like, yeah, I want to give my all for my my my, my club for my players today. It was depressing. It and and, I, and there's another example that I'm not. I don't want this to be sounding, you know, uh, sexist or anything like that. But watching the World Cup and then watch watching Canada play. I think it was Germany. In oh June. yeah, you went to oh, that. Yeah. And then and and, and that was another one where an example of you know what's go- like. Why am I watching this? Like. I, was, I, didn't, I didn't even care about the game by, I didn't even by, by the first that. ten minutes. It was so. It wasn't that one. Wasn't I? I, I didn't share it. Was. It, but but when you I'm just saying okay, when you're yeah, watching so much yeah, like yeah. three games a day of World Cup soccer and then you come and watch this it's like it's, it's you you can tell where this dip and same thing with MLS it's the same thing with the the men in MLS you watch that and you come here and you watch this and it's just like yeah. what what's what am I watching the, th- the thing though with the no no draw with the impact the only plus thing to take out of it was it extended the White Cats and beaten streak to eight games. But going into the World Cup break, me and other journalists, we're all saying to Carol and the players, oh, do you think this is going to be a momentum killer? And really, the way that they were playing before and looking at what fixtures were coming up, even though you're asking the question, you genuinely didn't think it was going to be, but you knew the threat was always there. But then after that, you're starting to think, what's happened to this team? This is not the team that we just saw in two exciting games that scored seven goals in two games at the start of the month now it's now now, and then it went from bad to worse yeah, cause at they the lost, weekend against Colorado they went the next yeah the, the, three days later they went and travelled to Colorado it was a 2 nothing loss and honestly you guys are going to have to speak on this because maybe I blocked it out but I can't remember this game at all it I, must have been a horrible game I 
honestly can't remember much about it either. All I know is, like I said about the, the loss to them in April, I still was feeling at this time that it was Colorado and Whitecaps, maybe a couple of others were going to be battling that out for the playoff spots. And you're thinking, two games against Colorado, two defeats against Colorado, six-point swing, this could be massive. And then you're also thinking, two games with no goals, what the hell is going on? Yeah, it was it was not a great performance from us. Uh, I think we let up both goals in the first half, and uh, yeah, it was we we have well, I guess I guess Darren scored a goal. We won one nil once in Colorado, but Colorado is a place where we in the West where we haven't really got a lot of points. It's, it's well, a you, lot of the, the altitude yeah, and all you've that got stuff. The heat and altitude, and it's like I I get that, and it's partly why we don't do well in Dallas either. But that was just a. A bad it was just a bad performance. Yeah. Forget the result. It was yeah. a bad performance. It was depressing. Remember, Bayshore was just back from the World Cup and yeah. he couldn't. So Nigel was still a right back. Yeah, yeah. It was Mary Bellucci. He was subbed in towards the end of the game, and it was the first game he played for the Whitecaps, and his first game he played, I think, in pretty much a year. It was like ten months or, or more, something right? after his, his most recent ACL injury. Yeah. And he didn't look good, he didn't look bad, but he looked like he might, might add something, but then just things didn't work out. And Jason Grice was watching. Yeah. Um, a couple of things that were not with the MLS side. Um, we had the residency playoffs in the month of June. Um, the U18s were eliminated uh, basically because the USDA decided to put the top team with a team that was highly ranked as well. And obviously that was Facts. yeah, and but the U U sixteens actually were able to get through the playoffs yeah, and qualify for the first summer yep. to the quarterfinals. And we'll we'll talk about what happened to that quarterfinal later on in the next month. But overall, good season for the residency considering what they were up against. Because even if you think of it uh, earlier in the year, there were a couple times where there was the World Cup where they were missing a lot of players. Yeah. And there was a couple... Of, there was one kind of camp where they were lo- lost like two, three and players. And the season they'd had before, yeah. which was a, it was a true developmental season. Yeah. And then they came back and they did that. And these are the guys, they're only going to get better and better. They won't all make the grade. You have to be honest and, and say that. Yeah. At least with the Whitecaps. But having this USL Pro team now gives all these guys... An extension. It gives them an extension to their focus and a new impetus because not everyone's going to be ready at eighteen to go into MLS, even to go into NASL, USL. But having that USL Pro team, not everyone wants to go to university. And these guys, it just as you say, it gives them an extension to doing something. And some players will develop when they're eighteen, nineteen, twenty. But I mean, the sixteens were fantastic, and they've gone on and built on that this season. And then some of them's moved up to the eighteens. Some are still with the six teams, and both teams are flying. Yeah, this side of grid starts the, the, the season. Yeah, but so I mean, far. both teams had a really good playoff. It was disappointing for the 18s. It's always disappointing when you when it's guys in the 18s and they're leaving the program because they've been together for a while and then they yeah. move on, yeah. and you want them to lift some silverware at the end of it. Yeah. And it was a really talented under 18 team. Yeah. Just really tough draw. It was it was sad because it was yeah like you said an end of an era for some of those guys and, and the Umbrella Academy was fun being a part of you know you're honoring those guys for their season and stuff and maybe that was later in the summer or whatever but um, no well, it was just it, before it, the playoffs it was just before it was, that yeah. It was in June, yeah so just like I remember that day we got a, like a glimpse into like what's what's it like for them because we got to be a training and yeah. we got to kind of attend like a team team bonding U16 team bonding event and like 
you just saw like the camaraderie, the excitement for for you know going to, into those playoffs, and you have guys who graduated out of the program, and it's exciting and it's yeah. sad and whatever. But um, the, I, I just love the, how we have like, and it's developing with the USL Pro yeah. link there. We ha- we have like a we have a proper club, and we're yeah. uh, we don't top, we don't maybe highlight it enough, but like we're there's a good ladder now. Yeah, that, that, that rung is not missing with yeah. USL Pro now, and we're and, and we're one of the first clubs who like invested this way in a residency, in an academy, yeah. and whatever, and it's 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 good for Whitecaps, it's good for Canada, totally both. But that was June. Yeah, summer is with us. What would the Whitecaps do? Two bad games after World Cup break. Could they bounce back in July? You'll have to tune in next time to find out. So just before we wrap up this episode, if you want to tell everyone where they can find you online, Slamo? At Slamo on Twitter, S-S-S-L-A-M-O. Zachary? Zachary AM, at Zachary AM on Twitter, or on the movements at Curva Collective. Hopefully your movements are regular. And you can find me at Whitecaps Beat. And I'm Michael McCall. You can find me on Twitter at AFTN Canada. You can read all my stuff, AFTN on Canadian Soccer News, AFTN.ca, CanadianSoccerNews.com. And I'm also the beat reporter for the Whitecaps for MLSSoccer.com. So as always, thanks for listening. Take care. And until next time, Mon the Caps! When you're listening in some far-flung corner of the globe to the World Service of a Saturday afternoon... Crackly reception, interference, cosy, marvellous. Somehow comforting, isn't it? You know, legendary names, fathers and sons on the terraces, cheesy peas at half-time, pipe for dad, mum's at home making the tea. Oh, everything's all right with the world, isn't it? Saturday afternoon is football. Hmm?